Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. For this name drop edition of the News Fix, we're joined by Carmela Prudencio. Carmela is one of those people who has a ton of talents and is passionate about giving back to the community. She's an artist, an activist, an arts curator, as well as the marketing director for Pacific Arts Movement, which puts on the San Diego Asian Film Festival. In this interview, Carmela and I talk about San Diego's art scene and AAPI community, about what to expect from the Asian Film Fest Spring Showcase, which starts a little later this month, as well as what she's watching on TikTok, which may or may not include some conspiracy theory content. Here's our conversation. Well, Carmela, thank you so much for joining me on this name drop episode. Um, You know, I know that you do so much here in town. You're in art, you're in activism, you're a curator. Um, Could you sort of give me your your quick bio, you know, the things that you think are important to mention? Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm Carmela Prudencio. I have been living in San Diego for about 12 or 13 years now. I'm still a SoCal native, but definitely fell in love with San Diego because of my connection to the Filipino and Filipino American community. Um, And so a lot of my activism and curatorial efforts have really been aimed towards uplifting API voices, as well as um, showcasing the power and possibility of Asian creatives. So um, when I started working at Pacific Arts Movement um, almost about three years ago, it felt like a perfect match where my um, outside world and my hobbies and like my personal passions really aligned with the work that I was doing. And I was able to really reach bigger audiences and I've had a lot of opportunities come from that, including curating a couple um, Asian American focused art shows in San Diego, as well as um, being a collaborator with a local DIY space um, called Taros Gallery. So that's been a really great way for me to to be able to, um, you know, take charge of my own destiny without having to be a part of institutions necessarily to share art with people. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's such a, a specific thing that you've you've done, you do in the community, um, which makes like a lot of big impacts. You know, like when you go to the Pack Arts, when you go to the Asian Film Festival, there's such a sense of community. Um, you know, I've seen in your art sort of centering AAPI experiences as well. I mean, like, what would you say of the community overall and like the impact that you're trying to have, the changes you're trying to make? You know, I think that a lot of this, I mean, I feel like this is kind of almost a buzzword at this point for like Asian American representation in media is kind of unlearning and evaluating intergenerational trauma. And so for me, like I'm Filipino, first generation Filipino American, both my parents immigrated to the States. I saw both of them become naturalized as American citizens. And there's a certain expectation of this kind of influenced by collectivist roles that we need to pursue careers and jobs and opportunities that help take care of our family, that make money, that really just are continuing to take care of the next generations as well. And so there's like some of that that's really embedded in a lot of our culture. Um, Like for instance, I'm not like a nurse and that's a very, very common job for Filipinos. And I wanna showcase that like we can be successful in creative industry jobs. Um, And that's why I've always really loved working with young people, especially young Asian Americans to show and like to bond over some of these like challenges that come with 
our culture and also being part of the diaspora, but also challenges of the expectations that are put on us of who we're supposed to be. And I'm all about punching that glass ceiling and just trying to prove that we can be whoever we are and define ourselves by our own, like, you know, our own pathways. Yeah. How have your parents, your family responded to you choosing a career in the arts? Sometimes I feel like they might not always understand what I do. Like I've been trying to get my mom to come to the film festival for a couple years and she lives in Temecula. So it's not always the easiest to trek over here. Um, but they're just really proud of how I've been able to get on this pathway because I've feel like I've taken non-traditional ways to get to where I am. And that's another thing that I want to share with the young people is like, you don't have to take this certain step-by-step process that is very common in like pursuing these things. Um, I actually have an associate's degree in fashion merchandising. I worked in retail for a really long time, but was always really passionate about art and saw opportunities for myself and kind of just like worked my way up and worked my way and earned some of these places. And I want that to be easier for folks too, because, um, you know, being a woman of color in like predominantly white institutions is going to be a struggle as well. So I really feel like my mom has taken really pride in how I get to these places, even if they're not the places that she might have expected for me. Um, I, I think that my tenacity and resilience has really been the key cornerstone <laughs> of, um, you know, getting things done. Yeah, definitely. Well, can you talk more about your activism? I mean, um, again, with centering AAPI communities, Asians, Amer you know, Asians, Asian Americans have been in the news a lot the last couple of years, not for a great reason, not for any fault of their own, of course, but, you know, wow. xenophobia having to do with the pandemic, um, violence having to do with the pandemic. Um, how have you approached that? You know, I think that like, as I've started to work more in Asian American spaces, uh, specifically through uh, working as the marketing director of Pacific Arts Movement, um, I was able to connect with more communities and kind of started to like unveil all these other organizations around town that I had never known about, you know? So like Asian Solidarity Collective, Viet Votes. Um, I was one of the founding members of the San Diego API Coalition. These were all things that um, didn't feel like they were real or possible for me for some reason. And as a marketing professional, I wanted to use that skill that I have in perhaps like, you know, public relations or, you know, um, coordinating all this press and media communications uh, to uplift our voices during that time and help coordinate um, some efforts around that. So um, even just last year, we were able to work with the city of San Diego and the county of San Diego for some um, anti-Asian hate resolutions, uh, working with some of the former council members to uh, make sure that our communities are being seen because I feel like that's the first start to us feeling safe. Um, and so that's where kind of my skill set kind of fell in naturally um, to helping out the cause was that communications piece because we really always need that bullhorn. And if I can somehow scrap together something to formulate that, to amplify other folks' voices and those that have been doing this work for years and years here in the city of San Diego. Um, I really wanted to pay my respect by doing that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I wanted to ask you just about the art scene overall. And so this is something I've heard in a lot of different cities where artists have their chip on their shoulder about like, oh, we're not LA or we're not as good as LA. I'm going to leave because we don't get enough attention here. Um, what is your take on that? You know, how do you assess San Diego's art scene and, you know, its strengths? Totally. I feel like I talk about this a lot with my interns. Um, you know, I have an internship program that we run through the marketing department and a lot of those folks want to be filmmakers and so I'm like how do we make it possible for that to feel realistic here in San Diego um, and that's the same thing with visual arts here you know I think that's mainly where I kind of got my start into a lot of the scene and like a lot of organizing work and curatorial was just being part of like the DIY arts community here um, and seeing how creative folks were in kind of taking things into their own hands, whether that was like underground shows in weird like alleys somewhere or like house shows or warehouse shows, all of those things. Um, there's a certain part of the San Diego arts and culture that I feel like I get to see that I don't think everyone else gets to. And I really want to share that. Um, and I think that kind of going back to why I really love living in San Diego and why I've been here for over a decade is that the communities here have a very specific and unique voice. Um, and, you know, like with um, arts and activism happening around the border region with like, for me, for instance, I live in City Heights and knowing like the refugee populations here, the large Filipino American community, we offer a diverse perspective. And I feel like that manifests into a very unique expression too. Um, so, Sometimes it's kind of like competitive, I feel like, which maybe it's hard because we have a small piece of pie that we're all fighting for, but I really want to nurture that and like bake a bigger pie, you know? Um, so I think that really starts with working with young folks um, and really nurturing things that are at the grassroots level for them to grow and for a foundation to be built that is more of a legacy of what's happening now rather than kind of these in the moment kind um, instant gratification type things where we're just kind of part of this race, part of this competition of trying to get funding, trying to get opportunities, trying to get attendance at our shows. Um, so like, what's the long game for all of this? And I really think that working with the youth is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned, um, you know, the border, and I think that's something that's really special about this region that other, you know, parts of the country necessarily don't have. Um, and I know that you've done work across the border with artists in Tijuana. Can you talk a little bit more about that? It's really cool because I feel like a lot of the folks that I like teaching artists that I know in um, arts and culture organizations here in San Diego, a lot of them are living in Tijuana. And, um, you know, there's like an art scene there that's really growing and really making its mark in like contemporary art. And I was really fortunate to show work in Tijuana and as part of a collaboration, um, Taros Gallery with uh, TJ Zinefest, and then some of our friends from um, Camarindo, I think is what their group is called, but, um, Alan and Lily and all of them too. So being able to work with them just felt like a natural fit. Um, and the art show that I had curated a few years ago was at the front in San Isidro. And there it was focused on Filipino American artists and showcasing that Filipinos are living on the border too, you know, um, and how a lot of our cultural connections 
are very like overlap. Like those experiences that we have, especially with like colonization by the Spanish, with the collectivist mentalities that we were just talking about really connect with each other. And so building that solidarity is really huge and kind of nurturing what that foundation looks like here. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can tear down these borders of our imaginations and um, provide more opportunities for artists on both sides. Yeah, really well said. Okay, well, I have a goofy lightning round for you, which is just a bunch of random questions to get to know you better. <laughs> and the first one is, what's what's something you're really into right now? Just something you're obsessed with, can be art related, even better if it's not. TikTok. <laughs> I'm really on TikTok. Um, you know, at first it was research because I'm a social media like strategist. And then I just got really into it. You know, they're reading, I'm like getting my daily horoscopes on there. I'm watching <laughs> silly cat videos. I'm also watching a lot of film reviews and seeing film critics kind of grow from there too, which is really fun. Um, and I always feel like I age myself talking to my interns when I'm like, did you guys watch that TikTok? And they're like, yeah, like a month ago, Carmela. And I so um, I really, I don't have Instagram anymore either. And like my social media presence is pretty like um, chill for right now. So I just like being on TikTok because it's just a bunch of content all at the same time that I'm absorbing. But also I'm like interested in how the algorithm works there like the processes they're they're using to use, like to make videos and stuff. Like I can make it more scientific, but a lot of the times it's just me watching cat videos. Basically. <laughs> you know, no, that's great. It's great to be honest about that. And like, we need that. Sometimes you need to just tune out, right? And watch the silly video. Are you creating okay. videos? No, not really. I mean, there was some, I was, I'm really into like, like crappy reality TV and would just do reaction <laughs> videos to like Vanderpump rules, but um, not really. I, I'm going to get there. I feel like I'm still in my research phase. So once gotcha. I get there, I'm going to be like <laughs> a pro at that. I love it. Well, thank you for coming clean on that one. I think a lot of us can relate to that and trash TV. Um, okay. What, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, I feel like it'd be Filipino. Does like a meal count? Yeah. Can I do a meal? Yeah. Okay. You can do a meal. Filipino breakfast. Mm. Filipino breakfast, um, any silog. So that's like garlic fried rice, eggs, and then some sort of protein. So I don't know. I'd probably pick longanisa or like fish, but um, that is definitely something that I can eat over and over again and just still feels like my mom made it, even though I made it and it's probably not as good. Uh, <laughs> but definitely that. <laughs> I love it. That's a great answer. I'm hungry and now I'm even more hungry. Uh, what's the first CD you ever bought or album? gosh that you picked for yourself okay I feel like I was raised in a very strict Filipino household and wasn't allowed to buy CDs like Celine Dion might be it actually <laughs> um, but I think that, like the most impactful for me was um I got this is like sounds really crazy for your first CD is uh no effects a war on errorism CD changed my life like wow. I was 14 years old and I was like George W. Bush versus Gore and listening to punk rock and like it was my entryway into a lot of that music and I remember buying that at like FYE in the Temecula mall um, and like feeling really cool because I like saved up all my allowance and stuff like that. That was the first one that I was allowed to have and the first one that I hid from my parents too. <laughs> that is so amazing. Um, where do you like to go to see art here locally? 
if someone were to ask you, you know, where should I go to see something cool? Where would that be? Ooh, okay. Um, Good Faith Gallery for a while. They recently closed the gallery space and have been focusing on an artist workspace. But um, I had curated a show there last year on Asian American political identity. But the folks that run that space have such a great aesthetic eye and have been working with a variety of different local and like outside of San Diego people. Um, so that was a space that I was really into. And then, of course, um, I feel like it's been a while since I've been outside, really. But that's no. going to be like a big one for me, you know, and um, it used to be Tarot's Gallery, which had closed during the pandemic. But um, we've been fundraising and we've got some announcements coming up ahead in the summer, too. So um, I used to like going to there a lot. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, OK, so it sounds like there's some good news coming. You guys will be back in action. OK, yes. we're working on it, you know. Uh, let's see. Who is somebody that's been really influential in your life? Um, you know, a role model can be someone you know or, or don't know. Honestly, it's probably my creative partner, Alejandra Frank. Um, she's the founder of Taros Gallery and is just such a, like, she has such a fire in her and has all these things that I just want for myself to be like, you know? Um, and she's just been so like determined in doing things her way, I guess you could say in like the best possible sense, because, um, you know, sometimes we grapple, especially like as arts people in San Diego who work in institutions, but also kind of do things on the side that are outside of institutions is finding that balancing act. And I feel like she's been able to be really strong and true to herself throughout all of these different changes that have been happening here in San Diego. And she's just like the funniest person I know. Um, but her aesthetic eye is so like, she loves the stuff that I love and she somehow like makes it come to life in ways that I didn't think were possible. Um, and we're both really into like sci-fi and like like to dabble in conspiracy theory stuff like <laughs> hollow earth or reptilians, you know, stuff like that. So um, there's like such a fun way that that kind of comes out in art and like the artists that she discovers. So her worldview is so much more expansive than mine. And so being able to be exposed to artists from Japan and Mexico has been so cool for me in my bubble here in San Diego. Oh, that's amazing and so sweet. I'm definitely going to check out her work and uh, invite her on the pod as well. But I have to ask, where does one get conspiracy theory news? <laughs> well, right now, TikTok. Um, <laughs> that I've been on, um, you, you know, it's it's like fun stuff, you know, like Justin Bieber's a reptilian, supposedly, or something like that. Um, and it's like weird footage. They're like, we caught him on camera turning into the reptilian. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, please, everyone, don't think that I'm like that kind of nuts <laughs> like conspiracy theorist. It's just I love sci-fi a lot. So thinking about like the possibilities of the universe and our imaginations is always just fun to like, you know, mess around with. Definitely fun. Definitely fun. Um, okay. And final lightning round question is just what's something on your bucket list, you know, something that you really want to do, see, accomplish um, in your life? The big thing that I feel like I've been like planning and scheming in my head and connecting with people is creating a Filipino American cultural center here in San Diego. Um, I've seen San Francisco's 
center. I know LA has one and San Diego has one of the largest Filipino American populations in like the, the state, I believe. And I don't understand why don't we don't have one. And I know so many cool like dancers and artists and performers and creators here that are from here too, that we deserve a space to share all of that stuff. And I feel like it's realistic. It may be in like my five-year plan that can happen as we're like working towards being back in person. But my ideal like vision for it would be a workshop space, a space for like film screenings, a gallery, a shop. Um, even I really, in my mind, like the top thing that I think is cool, but I don't know if it's possible is some sort of kitchen to learn Filipino recipes. Wow. Um, is something that I've like really loved bonding with people is sharing that stuff. So like, what if we had a space to share that and preserve our culture so that it doesn't disappear as like we kind of fade into the shadows of trying to like just work and be ourselves here in America, you know? So I want to make sure that that stays alive for myself and for future generations, but also that Filipino American creatives have a space that is less challenging to enter than other ones around the city. Yeah, sure. So are you actually working on that? I mean, it seems like the idea is pretty fleshed out. Are you are you making progress? I've done my on the grounds research. So talking to like the important movers and shakers here in San Diego um, that are local to here, doing my tours, having my ear to the ground because um, I'm not from San Diego. So I feel like it's really important to get community input and listening to folks. So being able to be a part of a lot of like the community organizations here, I kind of feel like a lot of people have a similar goal. And so if we all kind of band together, which I think is starting to happen more and more, um, that we can make this real, you know? Um, and if we just get all of those ideas together and figure out that funding and figure out that space and all of that stuff. Um, no, nothing too tangible yet, but like I said, I feel like the research is important and listening to the community uh, of what those needs are. Cause I don't wanna go into a neighborhood and assume they need this art space either, you know? And that's kind of part of my ethos in what art looks like is how that impacts the neighborhoods that it is in. Awesome. Well, I hope that you make it a reality. I can tell you I'll be there for a cooking class for sure. Um, well, I wanted to ask uh, more about your own artwork. You know, we've talked about a lot, like you hyping people up, you being a curator, you being a marketing manager, but like you are an artist as well. So what are you working on? That's actually one of my goals for this year is to create more. Um, I just recently published my first zine with Bernal Books, which is the small press here in San Diego. Um, and started selling it at the North Park Book Fair last December. And, you know, it's a lot of like collage work, textural work, um, things like that, that are very um, about like intimacy and like the body and like how that interacts in collective ways. And I want to take that time to do that. I've also really been interested in like video production work too. So uh, we at our art collective have been working on um, producing like public access TV-esque um, programming, film programming. Um, that's very like DIY guerrilla style, um, but really inspired by, um, you know, like old MTV stuff or like public access TV, adult swim types things. Um, so that's my big goal for this year is actually to make some more art. So the zine was a really big part of that. And I'm hoping that as our collective grows, that I'll have more space 
to focus on those things because uh, I've been working from home and sitting on my couch and doing all this stuff is really difficult to focus, especially when I have my phone and TikTok all the time. Um, so I want to carve out space intentionally for all of that and like collaborate on projects too, because um, I have so many ideas and sometimes I do leave them on the back burner because I feel like in the moment, it's so important to help uplift the folks around me. And I'm lucky that when it's the opposite way around that I'll have a community to support me in those efforts too. Definitely. Where can we get the zine now or see some of those videos? So um, the zine is available. It's called Topology. It's available at uh, Verbatim Books. And then um, if you check out our YouTube, it's called Unwind with Bab and Taros. So it's a collaborative effort with Taros Gallery and Bernal Books. Um, we have our live show up right now that we filmed uh, last fall um and it's pretty kooky um we're we're working on trying to like continue this programming more regularly and give opportunities for artists to um showcase their animated work showcase their video work music videos all of that stuff but also for us to do some production which I find really fun um, and that I've learned a lot from actually my interns at Pacific Arts Movement is doing all of those things so yeah you can check it out um I don't know what the YouTube is. I'll send it to you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds that sounds great. I look forward to checking it out. Um, and, you know, final question, because I do have you here and the spring showcase for the San Diego Asian Film Festival is coming up. Anything you want to say about that? Any, any highlights? Oh, I'm so excited for this year's festival. It is our first spring showcase in person in the theaters in two years. So it's definitely one to celebrate. Our programming is so dynamic, fun, vibrant, creative, and we really are just focused on like that camaraderie that happens when you're back at the festival. Like it's so easy to just stream stuff on Netflix or, you know, go watch a movie at the theater, but there's something about the festival experience that I feel like is all about community bonding. And we like to call it the lobby experience where after a film, you know, you grab a soju and you talk to the people around you about what you just watched or, you know, we have a lot of filmmakers coming into town too. So connecting with them and getting to ask them questions about their work. Um, I'm excited. It, it feels like I'm, I don't know, it's fest season basically is always that <laughs> feeling, you know, right before uh, that we're going to be there. So, and I think too, like with the you know, popularity of Asian American cinema happening kind of on a mass scale that you want to be in the know in the beginning. And we definitely have some stuff that who knows what that looks like as it gets picked up for mass distribution later. Um, I know our closing night film for uh, the San Diego Asian Film Festival 2021 was Drive My Car, which is everywhere right now. Um, and you can watch it first with us, basically. Yeah, that's a great pitch. Well, Carmela, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for sharing some of your story. It's been really nice to get to know you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix Name Drop Edition. If there's anyone in the community you would like to get to know a little better, drop me a line. I'm at christy.totten at sduniontribune.com. Thanks for listening.